Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, yes, Brother Mark, you're absolutely right. I apologize. That just was on my mind this morning. John 6. And so we'll make that tonight rather than this evening. <laughs> You're right. We, were, we had talked about your continuing in your studies in John. So we'll do that this morning. Uh, and we'll switch tonight to Galatians 6. Chapter Galatians 6. Sorry about that. A lot going on. <laughs> it's called input overload. Make no excuses, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, now we're going to go over to um, we're going to go on over and sing a couple of our hymns and um, got our choir here with us this morning. We've got the choir robes on. We've just got our bonnet on. <laughs> Uh, okay, the first one is called Wonderful Grace 411. I was wandering in sin, far away from home. Those darkness swept down on my soul. Then Jesus, my Savior, in mercy did come. Free grace that can never be told. Grace, grace, wonderful grace that comes from the Father above. May Jesus our Savior forever, I pray. Hold me fast in the arms of his love. The love of my Savior grows sweeter each day as the sorrows of life rest me sore. For he nailed my hands on Calvary Street, and my sins just forever he bore. His grace which is brought sweetest peace to my soul, and courage to serve him in love. If the winters be dreary and colder below, let the onward go looking above. Now the clouds of war have gathered around. Oh, the horrors bear down on my soul. But his rays will still keep me secure on my way. And land me in heaven his goal. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. That comes from the Father above. May Jesus our Savior forever, I pray. Hold you fast in the arms of his love. Well, let's sing. Uh, 499. Hope most precious. 499. 
Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us as well on YouTube, those that will be joining us. And looks like Brother Mark and Brother Carl are already over on YouTube. And so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mark this morning, who's going to be doing Chapter John 11. We're going to be doing, working through the 11th Chapter of John. Good morning, guys. How are you this morning? Good morning. Doing all right. Good. Good morning. Good. Hi, Brother Carl. Hey, Brother Mark. How are you? Very good. Very good. Sitting here in my jammies. <laughs> there you go. Hey there, Brother Larry. Hey, hey, how are you? Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing well. We had a really good visit yesterday with Howard Jett down in Harrison, Arkansas, and, and his son Travis. He's probably, I don't know, he's probably in his 20s. He's married. And um, it was quite a quite a treat to actually be able to sit down with someone of like faith. I haven't done that in a long time, person to person. So we're few and far between, but it's good to know that they're out, they're out there. So uh, Howard may be joining us this morning. I'm not sure if he's going to come on and talk to you or not, but he may come on with us from time to time. But yeah, doing fine. Well, Brother Mark, sorry for the mix-up. Um, anyway, John 11. John 11 is, we'll forge ahead right there, brother. Go ahead. Okay. Very good. All right. How are we all doing this morning? Okay. <laughs> doing good? All right. So we got about 67 verses in this chapter. So we'll do about. 20 verses each, 19 or 20 verses each. Okay. All right. So before I start, I'm going to say good morning, saints. May God meet you at the point of your need. We're, we're encouraged our great Jehovah to take all our needs to him and be anxious for nothing in prayer. All right. So thank you for being here, brothers, uh, brothers and all of our saints. Thank you for being with us this morning. All right, so we're going to do John chapter 11, moving on. We've been going through the John, the first, we've got through the first 10 chapters now, and we always are in the authorized King James Version. Okay, so, and a little reminder, saints, please keep praying for the Phillips family and the Roberts family and Brother Carl's mom, Reba, to come out of the false religious system she's in. My sister's in that same thing, too. All right, John chapter 11. I'll do the first, I'll do the first 20 verses, and we can follow the lead of the Holy Spirit, however he has it play out. All right, John chapter 11. This is the uh, this is the John this is John's account of the of the Lazarus in the grave for four days episode. This is John's take on it. All right, and a good take it is indeed. Verse one. Now a certain 
man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. 3, therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Verse 7, then after that, saith he, to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Verse 8, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Verse 10, But if a man walk in the night he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Verse 14, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse 16, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Verse 18, now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Verse 19, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Okay, so the first 20 verses of John 11 here. All right, so a man, a certain man, and his name was Lazarus. He was from Bethany, the town where Mary and her sister Martha was from. And in verse 2, it tells us that Mary, that this was the same Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother was Lazarus, was sick. This is, uh, this is the account that we find elsewhere in the four Gospels of the woman weeping and pouring the ointment on his head. And, and the disciples said, why? Should you waste that, it could have been sold for lots of money and given to the poor, and Jesus chided them for their, for their short-sightedness and said that the woman did a good thing and she'll be remembered in the annals of history. 
And then in verse 3, we see the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, you, the one you love is sick, referring to Lazarus, of course. (laughs) When Jesus heard that in verse 4, he said, this is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And this is the exact same reason that God raised Pharaoh up in, in the Old Testament accounts. And this is the exact same reason that uh, the man was blind from birth and the disciples were confused about why it was done. They thought it was because of the sin of him or, or of the parents. And Jesus straightened about, nope. Not for either of those reasons, but that my glory may, re- but that the glory of God may be revealed in the earth. So Jesus always has to straighten them out, and the same thing with us. You know that's why we have to constantly, you know, uh, nurture ourselves on Scripture on a daily basis, because you know, a couple hours or a day or a couple of days go by and we start being forgetful and saying and saying oh i did this you know god did it you know whatever it may be verse five and it says that jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus and lazarus they were of his circle of friends and and that were referred to as beloved so in verse six he says when he has heard when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed, he waited, he waited two days, it's what it says. He waited two days in the place where he was. And then in verse 7, it said, then he gathered the disciples and then said, okay, guys, time to go. It's been two days. Let's go to Judea again. They had been there before. In verse 8, his disciples said to him, you know, of late, you know, when they when you went there the first time, they were going to stone thee, and now you want to go again? <laughs> okay. In verse 9, Jesus tells them, hey, there's only 12 hours in the day. If any man walks in the daytime, he, he sees where he's going and doesn't stumble because he has the light of the world, the sunlight, S-U-N, in the sky. Verse 10, and then he continues his statements, but if a man walks at night, he stumbles because it's dark and he cannot see. He has no light in him. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he said unto them, he said to them, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I'm going to go there that I may awaken him out of sleep. And then the disciples in verse 12 said, if he's sleeping and resting, he's going on he's doing all right and then in verse 13 jesus uh told them and spoke to them of his death and but they were confused they thought he was speaking about oh he was just resting sleeping but uh jesus had to straighten them out in verse 14 no you guys you're not understanding what i'm saying he's not sleeping he's dead and uh, in verse 15, he says, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there in the beginning so that for the purpose that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. 
In verse 16, Thomas, also known as Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, let us also go. He had this fatalistic attitude. Let's go that we may die with him also. That's the wrong attitude, you know. (laughs) With Jesus around, that's the wrong attitude. And so in verse 17, when Jesus got there, he found that he had was, when Jesus finally got there after two days, he found that Lazarus was already in the grave for four days. So that means that two days before Jesus knew about it and then two days after Jesus knew about it because it says in the previous verse here that Jesus stayed for two days where he was and then he went with all the disciples. And then verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off. I don't know exactly what that unit of measurement is, but uh, shouldn't be too far away when it says that uh, it is near Jerusalem. So then verse 19, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary in comforting them of the loss of their brother. And then in verse 20, Martha, as soon as she found out that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in her house. So praise God, saints, the first verse, the first uh, 20 verses of John chapter 11. Brother Carl, take it. All right. Well, uh, yes, we see here that uh, in verse 4 it says, When Jesus heard that he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Because this was all predestined to happen. This was all ordained of God from before the foundation of the world for this event to happen. Um, and this Amen. is what Jesus is, and this is what Jesus is is referring to. Uh, he says, uh, says in verse six, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode there two days, still in the same place where he was. So Christ waited until, on purpose, he waited until Lazarus died and was entombed. And he, in fact, knew this was going on. This is one reason that he stayed. He wanted to make sure that he arrived. Um, he purposed it, rather. I hate to say say make sure. But he purposed it that whenever he arrived, Lazarus had been entombed for several days, and there was a lot of people around. This um, At this, where it talks about people being there to comfort Martha and Mary, this was a lot of people. Um from what I understand about it. So Christ did this intentionally so everybody would see. Um, And we're told here in verse 9 and 10, uh, he says, Are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. In verse 10, if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. He's also referring to spiritual darkness, to being being in darkness. And we're told that um, people that are in darkness, people that are in sin, they don't know what they're stumbling on. But yep. we, because we're children of the light, we can see what makes us stumble. We can see our sin because God has taught us what we are by the grace of God. All right? And we don't walk in darkness anymore. So I believe this is what he's referring to here. Um, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then tells the disciples that Lazarus is, in fact, dead, and he's glad for their sakes, he says in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. 
Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Um, it says that in verse 17 and 18, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, verse 18, about 15, 15 furlongs off. And 19, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brothers. There was a lot of people around. Um, and this was, the, this was by the purpose of God. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Yes, and, you know, this is a perfect picture of the sinner dead in trespass and sin, Lazarus. And Lazarus, as Christ resurrects him here, that you know, we'll see here as we progress through this chapter, Lazarus didn't make a decision for Jesus Christ. He didn't accept him. A dead person can do nothing. Those that are right. those that are dead those that are dead in sin and trespass can do nothing. And Christ calls his sheep out by name, just like he will do Lazarus. And with that, uh, I'll turn it over to Brother Larry. Yeah, take it. Yeah, well, that was good uh, expository preaching by both Mark and Carl. I must say. Um, you know, I, I've often found it interesting, uh, and if you ever want to do a study on the, uh, the city of Bethany, it's, it's really interesting. A lot of very interesting biblical events happened in Bethany. You know, that's where the that's where God that's where Jesus Christ cursed the fig tree in Bethany. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also in Bethany, if you recall. Um, Back in, I think it's in the 10th chapter of uh, Mark. Um, I'll have to go look at it for a minute. Um, Anyway, um, let's look and see here. Yeah, it's actually, that's that's where Christ actually went before he ascended back to heaven. Um. And like Brother Carl, or Brother Mark said, you know, it was really close. It was really close to Jerusalem. Furlongs, 15 furlongs is about two miles from Jerusalem. That's about how far it was. That's how, about how far it was from Bethany. And so that's where, according to verse 1, that's where Mary and her sister Martha, that's where they live. And... Uh, I just find that very interesting, and, and also, uh, if you look in Luke, the 24th chapter, 50th verse, it says, and he led them out as far as to Bethany, and lifted up his hands and blessed them, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And then they worshipped and returned to Jerusalem. So they're... There's several instances where they go out in they go out to Bethany. It's like they were trying to get away <laughs> from Jerusalem so they could have. I'm just this is my take on it, but it's kind of like uh, I've had people say, "Would you rather would you rather live in the country and visit the city, or live in the country? Uh, would you rather live in the country and visit the city, or live in the city and visit the country? <laughs> I'd rather live in the country and visit the city." And that's what I think we're seeing here. These people lived out out in a small town. Yeah. Also, I I think that this is a a prelude 
the raising of Lazarus is a prelude for the raising of Christ and Christ raising himself from the dead. Mm-hmm. Because this is an example, like Brother Carl was saying, of the power of God. We'll see this later on in the chapter. The power of God demonstrated and and like Brother Carl said, this was a witness to people of the power of God and as a result, we're going to see that many did believe on him because of his resurrection. And uh, it, it's really obvious by the, the text in, in all, all of the accounts of this that Jesus Christ was really close to Mary and Mark and Lazarus. They were, they were very close. They were very close. And, um, and so we see even when G, in another passage... Uh, uh, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha and he saw how they were so distraught and grieved over Lazarus' death that he grieved with them. He wept. So, yep. anyway, this is, uh, this is really a great chapter. Um, yes. And, you know, in, in 14 it says, Then Jesus said to them plainly, Jesus is dead. Lazarus is dead. He said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's told us in the scripture that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Very plainly. You were dead in your yep. trespasses and sin. You weren't, you weren't just uh, sick. You weren't just bent towards sin. You were dead. And uh, again in 15, it's intentionality, which Brother Carl referred to, okay? Christ has an intent in everything that he does. He says, I was not there to the intent that you may believe. That's why he wasn't there. Yep. So that this would actually increase their faith, faith of Christ. And uh, anyway, um, of course, like Brother Carl said, there were a lot of people there comforting. I mean, Mary and Martha and Lazarus must have been pretty well known. They must have yeah. been pretty well known in this area. And, um, you know, Martha, she didn't understand fully that Jesus was omnipresent, okay? Even though Jesus wasn't there physically when Lazarus died, Jesus was there, okay? Notice right. what she said in verse 21, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to Brother, Brother uh, Mark. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. Jesus was there, okay? But mm-hmm. he, physically, he physically stayed away. Mm-hmm. His intentionality was very intentional that he stayed away. That, that, yes. that, again, is shown to us in verse 15. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent he may believe. But anyway, so I'll turn it back over. That's what I kind of gleaned from that, brother. Go ahead, Brother Mark. Thank you, Brother Larry. God bless you. Yes, yes. I agree with Brother Carl. That's exactly right. Uh, this whole story, <laughs> Lazarus, is an archetype 
of the spiritually dead sinner in this world. And and this and this is and this picture of Lazarus as an archetype of the spiritually dead sinner in the world shows us exactly that that a spiritually dead sinner can do nothing no thing can a spiritually dead sinner do in 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 securing original righteousness and salvation so this this you know we need we need to shout this from the rooftops to these Armenian will worshippers. Oh, you think you made a decision for Christ? I don't think so. Look at Lazarus. So, praise God. Yes, I agree, Brother Lay. They must have been very well known in that community, that close knit community. All right. Well, that being said, I will now ask our dear brother Carl to continue on for us from verse 21 down to verse 40. Thank you, dear brother Carl. All right. Yes, sir. And just a real and just a quick note here about verse one um, and and verse mm-hmm. two. While I'm thinking about it, um, if we go to Matthew 26, we see that Christ. In verse 6, it says, now when Jesus was in Bethany, all right, and this is the town of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, it says that when he was in the, it says, now when Jesus was in Bethany, Matthew 26, verse 6, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, the very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he said it meat. Like Brother Mark said it, and I'm in total agreement with him, this was, this is Mary. This is what we're told here in verse 2 in John chapter 11. So I wonder if Simon the leper, if he was kin to to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, if this was in fact, you know, they all lived together. Um, it just sort of makes me wonder. But anyway, with that, I'll move on to verse, I'll start with verse 21 through 40. Is that correct, Brother Mark? Yes. Thank you, Brother Larry. My brother Carl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Verse 21, the authorized King James Bible only, by the grace of God. Verse 21, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she had heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with her, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then Jesus said to the Jews, Behold how he loved him. 
Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved it. And some of them said, Could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, Cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Well, Man. we see here that in verse 25, um, in verse 26, Christ is referring to the deadness in sin that a person is before they are resurrected by the Holy Spirit of God and quickened and called to faith in him. And he's also referring to the resurrection of the dead. Um, in verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is talking about the sinner that's dead in sin and trespass. Um, that is quickened by the Holy Spirit. Um, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And this is referring to the resurrection, to eternal life. Um, this is a, this is my opinion. Um, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, in verse twenty-seven, I believe that thou art the Christ. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had and when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is coming, and calleth for thee. So Martha believes in Christ. Um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus believed in him. Um, this is this is this is quite a quite a chapter here. I mean, there's so much here, and it's it is such a picture of the mercy of God. And the grace that he bestows up on his elect by calling them to faith out of their deadness and sin and trespass and calling them to faith by a spirit in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, it's, we see here in verse 35, which is the shortest verse in Scripture, Jesus wept. Um, I believe this was because he was it grieved him in his spirit at the pain that he saw the people that he loved in right. um, Mary and Mary and Martha and you know I don't believe that there and with this I'll turn it back over to you guys I don't believe that there are levels of love with God um, Amen. and Christ loves his elect every single one of us the same way that he loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it moved, I mean, if he, if he wept for them, um, I'm just reminded of him weeping blood in the garden of Gethsemane when he's praying for his elect. And it, it's, just such a, it's just such a picture of him interceding for his elect and bearing, and bearing our sin and, you know, feeling the pain that we go through in this world, so to speak. And, and with that, I'll just turn it back over to you guys. Very well, Brother Carl. Very well said. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, let's see. I'll go, and then we can, and then Brother Larry can go, and then he can finish out the chapter for us. Praise God, saints. All right, yes, verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother 
would not have died. And then in verse 22, she continues, she, she says, but I know, I know that even now, whatever you will ask of, our, of God, he will give it to you. In verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother shall rise again. And uh, here Martha is, uh, Martha believes, but she's a little bit confused in all of her grief here. She says, yes, Lord, I know, yes, Lord, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus utters his famous statement to her, dear Martha, dear Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me, I don't like that in me part, but she can, he continues, and whoever lives, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then in verse 27, she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And in verse 28, when she had said this, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly and told her that the master is come and calls for you. In verse 29, we see as soon as she heard that, she went, she got up quickly and came to him. In verse 30, he says, now Jesus was not yet coming. He wasn't in the town yet. He was on the way. He was getting there, but he wasn't there yet. He was almost there, but he was in that place where Martha met him. Verse 31, it says, the Jews which were there with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out. They followed her saying she's going unto the grave to weep there. See this, this, uh, this confirms what uh, brother Carl said earlier that there were many people with them comforting them in their grief. So she goes to the grave to weep there. In verse 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was, saw him, she fell down at his feet. She was wondering, she couldn't understand why the Lord would wait two days, you know. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would still be alive. He wouldn't have died, she said, you know, something to that effect. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the and the and the and the Jews, you know, the many people that were with them when they when Jesus saw them all weeping, overcome with grief, he groaned in his spirit and he was troubled. And in verse thirty-four, he asked, "Where have ye laid him?" And they said, "Come and see, Lord." And then verse thirty-five. Here's the shortest verse in the Bible, just two words. You know, Jesus wept, just like Carl said. Two, two, only two words in this scripture, but it's very poignant because that's right. I agree with Brother Carl. He was overcome by seeing the ones he loved in such mortal pain and grief, you know. And that's how emotions are when, when we see somebody that we care about and we see them suffering. It has a visceral a visceral reaction in us. It's like... I don't know how to describe it other than that, that uh, emotions 
kind of fly through the air between loved ones that way. Isn't that interesting? And so then in verse 36, the Jews marveled at this. Behold how he loved him, they said. In verse 37, some of them said, couldn't he, uh, which opened the eyes of the blind, had caused even this man that he should not have died? And then in verse 28, or 38, I I mean, uh, Jesus again groaned in himself. He came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. In verse 39, Jesus said, take that stone away from the grave. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been in the in been dead for four days. Yes, that's right. Flesh starts once once the life force of Jehovah that animates all flesh has been removed, then the worms come. And uh to say it in a funny way, we start pushing up them daisies. <laughs> I, I told that to Brother Ashley the other day. He thought that was funny. He said, I said, I ain't pushing up daisies yet, Brother Ashley, and he laughed. <laughs> so, yep, when, when, when the life, when the force, when the, in, when the breath of Jehovah that he breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. When that breath of life is removed, then the worms come, like I said. And finish off with verse 40 here. Jesus said to her, didn't I say to you that if you, that, that if you would believe, thou, you will see the glory of God? Now, this is not a statement of free will that says that if you believe in God, then you'll be saved. It's it's exactly the opposite, you know, and that's the best way I can explain it, saints. So praise God, saints. We're almost through the chapter. All right, Brother Larry, take it. Well, you know, um, I find it interesting in verse 22 where Martha says, I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it unto thee. And yet, the eternal Son of God was standing right in front of her. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. Okay? Amen. And we'll later on, well, we'll see, right in 25, he responds to that. You know, I am the resurrection of the life. Scripture says, he says, I am that I am. I am the resurrection of the life. And, you know, I'm just curious, Mark, I just, because I'm sure other people have the same question pop in their brain as I did. Mm-hmm. What is it that what is it that you don't like about what Christ said when he said that he believeth in me? The uh the uh thing where the other scripture where it says the faith of Christ and that puts the emphasis on the sovereignty of God, but like the New International Version says faith in Christ, which which kind of puts the action on man 
and reinforces the false Arminian gospel of the free will, that, that thing. But you're not inferring that Christ is, is in error by saying that he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. I mean, whenever you say, I like that, and Christ said it, I have a problem mm -hmm. with it, brother, you know? Because if Christ said it, I believe it, and it's true. And, Amen. And yeah. so I just want to point that out to the rest of our audience. We're not, in, I'm not, at least, I can't speak for Brother Mark, but I'm not uh -huh. in any way inferring that Christ said something that he should have said differently, okay? Right. Um, okay, and then in 26, he says, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now, we know, we know, because we have multiple passages of Scripture that tells, tells us what is the origin of the faith of Christ that's placed in us. You know, mm -hmm. that he is the author, he is the finisher of our faith. And, you know, I have no problem saying that I believe in Jesus Christ. I have no mm -hmm. problem saying that. Um, However, I would go on to tell people, the only reason I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe he is the eternal Son of God, and I believe that he is the resurrection and the life, is because of the faith of Christ placed in me. So, anyway, yeah. I just want to make that clear. Um, notice she goes on and says, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Um, <laughs> you know, and so I believe that this event, the raising of her brother Lazarus, was also an act by God himself to, if you want to call it, solidify the faith of Christ within Mary and all of the believers, to solidify the faith of Christ um, in the believers. And we'll see that later on. He pretty much validates that. And he asked her the question, you know, he asked her, you know, uh, believest thou this, in verse 26, whosoever liveth, believeth, and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Okay. Um, I've been asked certain questions in my lifetime that have been very pointed by other people. I was asked a question one time, do you believe that you are created? And I remember, just to show you where I was at at that time, I I said, you know, you know, you know, why are you asking me a, a question like that? It's none of your business. <laughs> I became very I became very defensive over someone asking me whether I was created or not. Mm. Well, she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Well, anyway, we see where she gets her sister involved. And she she was not yet come into Bethany. And um, so it's really, it's 
it's just an it's an interesting chapter that shows how it shows me how that we all are prone to unbelief. Mm-hmm. Even the very even the very elective God, there's a song that says, "Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love." Okay. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Because there is a warfare going on continually in the between the flesh and, and the spirit in God's elect. There's a continual warfare going on. You know, and, and anyone that says that it's not going on is just I'm sorry, they're lying through their teeth. There's a warfare. The spirit Warth against the flesh, the flesh warth against the spirit. Okay, we're going to read uh, 30. Uh, well, as far as this, this next passage is down through 40, 32 to 40, um, you know, this again is kind of a, uh, a restating again. Uh, Mary says same same thing. Martha, you know, if thou had been here, I would my brother had not died. Verse thirty two. That sounds almost like a a repeat of what what Martha had said in verse twenty one. Isn't that interesting? Twenty one and thirty two are, are almost like parallel verses. Again, Mary did not realize that the. Jesus Christ is omnipresent. Mm-hmm. You know, why could Jesus just go out from among them when they tried to take him? Why could he do that? Why could he just appear in a room? Why could Jesus tell the thief on the cross, "This day thou shalt be with me in paradise," when they were going to put Jesus in the in the grave that very day? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus is omnipresent. Okay, mm-hmm. 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, this kind of goes to what I indicated earlier that how she, he wasn't grieving because of Lazarus' death because he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. He wasn't grieving because Lazarus had died. He was grieving because he saw the grief of Miriam mm-hmm. and he was he was in his spirit. He could, if you analyze, people may not like me to use the word empathize, but he could empathize with Mary and Martha, okay, of their loss, of their loss. And uh, they do say, behold how he loved him. I, you know, I think the Jews uh, didn't understand really why Christ was weeping. They didn't understand. They didn't know what was about to happen either, did they? They didn't know that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right. And they even questioned the fact that he could have caused him from dying in verse 37. Um, anyway, um, 39, take ye away the stone, Martha. The sister of him said that he was dead four days. Um, Jesus reminded her again, verse 40, 
didn't I say unto thee, in other words, said I not unto thee, that thou was, if, this, if thou was believed, thou should see the glory of God. Now, <laughs> uh, this, this part of believing, God told Thomas, blessed are they who not seeing believe. Remember that? Blessed mm-hmm. are they who not seeing believe. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I put my fingers into his hands and thrust my hand into his side. And then Christ said to Thomas, here are my hands, here's my side. And then Thomas said, my Lord and my God. <laughs> okay. Now, that shows me that God is so gracious to his elect. Some of, some of his elect, he physically demonstrates his power, okay, as a means of grace. Would you agree with that? Yes. Sometimes. Why did he do all the miracles, okay? Um, he, he physically demonstrates his power as a means of grace. Other people, okay, he doesn't physically demonstrate his power, but his power is just as as powerful in a non-physical way, in a spiritual way that he demonstrates his power within the soul of his elect. That's called that's called quickening. <laughs> okay, quickening. Okay, I'm going to read 41 through 57. I'll make some comments and turn it back over to guys. Then they took away the stone away from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Isn't that interesting? So he had already prayed. He had already prayed before he prayed. (laughs) Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, again, the, the demonstration of his physical power to the people as a means of bringing faith to those who are God's elect. Okay? And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. That's what he did for every one of us. Every one of us who were dead in trespasses and sin, he called us out of the grave. And I like what Brother Carl said. Lazarus. When he was in the grave, he didn't say, you know, I want to think about this a while. You know, I have a choice whether I want to be raised from the dead or not. I've got a free will. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, want to, I want to weigh the odds on this. Do I want to really come back to life or not? <laughs> well, it says that when many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Okay, to me, that is a means of grace. That is a means of grace. The, the fact that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was a means of grace given to those to whom would 
believe on him. In other words, their quickening came before their belief, <laughs> okay, but this was a means of grace. Some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees and councils and said, What do we? For this man doth, doeth many miracles. Here's a very key verse in 48. If we let him alone, thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away our place and nation. You notice they were more concerned with their with their power. They were not concerned about spiritual issues whatsoever. They were more concerned about retaining their power and control over people. And mm -hmm. that's what's going on this very day. The, this very day, the Roman Catholic Church, the ecumenical movement, the Jesuits, the dispensationalists, the Zionists—they're—they're they're not concerned about spiritual things. They're more concerned about retaining their power. Forty-nine, and one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said to them, "Ye know nothing at all." Now listen, verse fifty. Nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. Isn't that interesting? He knew messianic prophecies. One would die for the sins of the people. I'm sure he read Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes. No consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and the whole nation perish not. But again, he was all mixed up. He was a dispensationalist. <laughs> there was dispensationalist back then, right? In other words, his thought was, look, we don't want our nation to perish. We want to retain our power. And so this guy has to die to protect our, us as a nation, so be it. Well, it says, now how far was I supposed to go, Brother Carl? All the way to the end. Okay. All the way to all right. And this he spake, he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Now listen, Jesus didn't die for just the Jews. Okay? This high priest had it partly right, but he was partly in error. He didn't die just for the Jews. He died for both Jew and Gentile. He died for every tongue, every people, and every nation. And he died for individuals, by the way. <laughs> okay? And it says, and not for that nation only, but that he also should gather together in the children of God that were scattered abroad. Well, that's really interesting because uh, at some level he realized that this was something more than just a physical power. Uh, this was not just to propagate political. This was not just geopolitical. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Well, 
you know, they not only took counsel to put him to get death, but we also see in other uh, passages uh, that they were also wanting to kill Lazarus again. <laughs> because Lazarus was walking proof of the power of God. 53, then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked normal openly among the Jews. Very interesting phrase there, among the Jews. He walked no more openly among the Jews. There may be a time, and I think it's becoming very close, where we as Christians will probably walk no more openly among the Jews because we will, we will be labeled as, as anti, already as anti-Semitic, uh -huh. as, Jew, as Jew haters, as uh, we, are, we are not against Jews. We are against the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not. We are against right. the Jews who are the Judaizers. We're against those in Galatians who says that they uh, try to bring you under the law by, and try to cause you to be circumcised again and go into all this Hebrew roots movement. I was talking to Brother Howard Jett yesterday. Very interesting conversation down where he lives around Harrison, Arkansas. There's a church now that meets <laughs> and studies the Torah and, and is really into the Hebrew roots movement and all of this Zionist propaganda put out. You know, there's going to come a time when we are actually going to and, and Brother Carl did a sermon on this this week. We are underground church. We don't have Grace Community Church plastered on the outside of where we're meeting today. Okay? Because we don't consider ourselves to be a public place of worship. Okay? We no longer walk among the Jews. Okay? And it goes on and says, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. You know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really interesting passage. 55, and the Jews' Passover was not at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye, will he not come to the feast? In other words, they were waiting until he made a public appearance to try to move in on him for the kill. Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man should knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Now we know that all things are ordained by God. We know it was by the, pre the predetermined counsel of God that the Jews took and slew him. We know that Roman, the Roman government was complicit with the Jews in crucifying Christ. And we know today the Roman Catholic Church is complicit with the Jews in bringing suffering and persecution to all of those who are followers of the Messiah. But we also have to remember, like I indicated in this morning's devotional, that God authorized it. <laughs> God authorized it. 
just like Brother Mark said, he authorized Pharaoh raising the power and bringing him down. He authorized uh, the fact that he would love Jacob and hate Esau. He says that even the wicked were made for the day of evil. And yes, it's true that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, but before Pharaoh hardened his heart, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so anyway, uh, we always end with the absolute uh, affirmation Jesus Christ is above all. And like Brother Carl says, Satan is not God's rival. Satan is a, a created being, a non-elect angel that was predestined to fall. I'll turn it back over to you guys. Amen. Amen. Take it, Brother Carl. Okay, I'll just uh, I'll just work through verses 39 through through 44. Brother Larry, that was that was a great job by the grace of God, and I really can't add anything further. Um, I'll just talk about verses 39 through 44 here quickly by the grace of God. He says in verse 39, take ye away the stone. And this is a picture of our heart of stone that God removes whenever he causes us to be born again by his Holy Spirit. He removes this heart of stone, all right? And Christ, he calls his sheep forth by name. Like he does with like he does with with Lazarus here, when he says in verse forty three, he says, "And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth." And this is what he does with us, and we listen, <laughs> we hear his voice, and we don't make a decision for Christ. We come forth, and it says, "He that was dead." I know I'm getting excited, but I I, I hate will worship. I loathe it. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. All right, this is what happens. Christ, the good shepherd, he calls his sheep forth by name, and we listen. We don't have, if you were given to the Son by the Father in the divine covenant from before the world began, you're going to be quickened by his Holy Spirit, and you're going to be called to faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith and our believing on him is the evidence of our election unto salvation. This, this, is, what we're clearly, this is what we're clearly taught in Scripture, and this is what we're clearly being shown here. Um, so, yeah, again, I just see the stone that is removed from the tomb is a picture of our heart of stone that God removes at the new birth, and he gives us a heart of flesh. All right, and the effect of that of the new birth is is faith and belief on Jesus Christ, um, and it's not the cause of it. And Lazarus here is a perfect picture of us, of the sinner dead in trespassing sin. And whenever we're called forth by the king, who's sovereign Lord God, who's created everything after the counsel of his own will, you listen. You listen. And once again, this is all for his glory and his name's sake and we're just thankful and blessed by the grace of God to know that he chose to save any of us. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you guys. Amen. Well said, Brother Carl. Well, we're coming up to the top of the hour. What do you think, Brother Larry? Should I finish off or what should we do yes. now? Yes, go ahead, Brother. All right. Uh, let's see. In verse 41, so... Uh, they took away this stone 
after Jesus told them to take away the stone. And that's right. I agree with Brother Carl. The stone represents a rock-hard, stony heart of unbelief. And the unregenerate still have theirs, but the elect have their stony heart removed by the Lord, by God Almighty. So verse 41, they took away the stone that after Jesus told them to do so, they took away the stone from the place where Lazarus was, and Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, I thank thee that thou that you heard me. And in verse 42, he says, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people here which stand by, I said it for their benefit, that they may believe that you have sent me. And in verse 43, after he said that, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And verse 44, and uh, he that was dead came forth in his grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin, and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And I'm just going to speculate here, but everybody must have been, must have been holding their nose because that's right. Uh, she was right when she said that he's been in there for four days and he must be stinking by now because, like I said earlier, once that life force that animates, you know, a body of flesh is gone, then the worms start coming in and... Those worms can do a lot in four days. <laughs> and so they must have been holding their nose. It must have stunk pretty bad. But then moving along to verse 45, <clears throat> then many of the Jews which Gamarian had seen, the, they believed on him, you know. And so this is what he did it for, the same reason as the other two uh, uh, things that I mentioned earlier, you know, Pharaoh and the man born blind from birth. So the many, many believed on him in verse 45, but in verse 46, we see that there were some uh, secret agents here, so to speak, and they went back to the Pharisees and reported everything. These were the infiltrators, the secret agent infiltrators that the Pharisees had sent to spy on them, basically, for all intents and purposes. They were spying on them. And then they went back, oh, they did this, and they raised Lazarus from the dead, and they did this, this, and this. It's like, can't trust a rat fink snitch, and you never know who's infiltrating. But anyway, praise God, moving along. In verse 47, the chief priests gathered and the Pharisees uh, to decide what to do. What do we, for this man doth many miracles? In verse 48, it says, if we leave him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away our place and our nation. They were only concerned about themselves. They didn't care about the people that Jesus was ministering to. They were only concerned for their own self-aggrandizing enrichment. And it's the, same, it's the same way today with these false teachers like Bentley and Hogan and all of them. 
they, they don't they don't care about the sheep just like John 10 says they're hirelings and when they see the wolf coming they run away because they don't care about the sheep they don't care about the flock because the flock is not theirs they're just it's just a job to them and it's the same with these lying preachers today on the TV and the radio and these big churches filled with unbelievers thinking they made a decision for Christ? I don't think so. Verse 49, one of them named Caiaphas, yeah, that was one of them high priests. He said that same year, he told him, you don't know what you're talking about. And in verse 50, he goes on and explains, you know, consider, is it expedient? Consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people instead of our whole nation perishing you know that's a that's a fatalistic way to look at it yeah so but somebody's got to die and better him than us you know better him than all of us that's a very uh nihilistic selfish and fatalistic way to look at it in verse 51 uh this he, he didn't speak this of himself or by himself or about himself but because he was the high priest that year. He, he, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and and not for that nation only, but also for the Gentiles. You know, also that he should also gather in together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad, the Gentiles. Yes, and in verse fifty-three, that's the day they started. From that day forth, it says they they started plotting and scheming against him how they would kill him this is this is when it began right here in verse 53 and then in verse 54 here's the wisdom of Jesus he he did not walk openly among them anymore but he went to a country near the wilderness which is Ephraim and there he continued with his disciples see he already knew what they were about to do just like when he told, uh, what's his name, Judas, you know, when Judas was going to do his foreordained evil deeds, you know, Jesus told him, whatever you're going to do, do it. Get on with it. Time's wasting, you know. Jesus knew what these guys were going to do, and he knew what Judas was going to do because Jesus knows all. And so verse 55, and the Jews' Passover was near at hand in verse 55 it says and many went out of the country and they went to Jerusalem before the Passover so they could purify themselves and then uh, then they sought for Jesus here in verse 56 and they spoke to themselves as they stood in the temple they were saying what do you think will he come to the feast or not we don't know so verse 57 now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, that they might take him. So they were trying, they were putting this oppression on all of the people. If you know where he is, you better tell us, you know. And so, praise God, brothers. That's my thoughts on that last third of John 11. Praise God, thanks. Well, uh, I want to just uh, tell everybody before we end the broadcast that tonight we're going to be just 
discussing the sixth chapter of Galatians, and this has been on kind of on my mind, especially because um, there is a, a verse in this passage that the Armenians will use uh, to try to indicate that a person can work their way into salvation, and it's verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, all the Apostle Paul is doing is making a statement of fact, <laughs> okay? Making a statement of fact. But we're going we're gonna to go through verse by verse Galatians 6, and I think you'll come out by seeing this totally different than what you've been preached, the way you've been preached to by Arminians all these years. Mm-hmm. Because you know this chapter actually is speaking against Arminianism. That's what it's speaking against. It's, spe- mm-hmm. it's speaking against. Well, I'll just I'll just titillate you by one verse, verse twelve for tonight. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. These are people who are trying to bring people back under the law, okay, mm-hmm. and not under Christ. Right. These are people, the Judaizers. So we're going to go into that tonight. Uh, we'll be on tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, I want to thank Brother Howard Jett for joining us today on Facebook, as well as David Miller and Andrew Brown and John Gaughan. And all you all know who you are, all of you. Uh, we we welcome you, uh, Pa uh, Pa Ra, and Maria Delindo Manilo, uh, Bashira Shalon, Kate Wombo, Kenton Anayango. Uh, you all know who you are, uh, but we're glad that you could come on board, and you're welcome aboard to join us this evening as well. Um, we also have Sapara with us, and uh, I'm sure there's a number of people that have joined us that I cannot even see on here. We also welcome Sister Babs and Sister Rosette, Brother Mark Phillips, and also if um, Travis Jett is listening in with his father, Howard Jett, and their families, we welcome you aboard as well. That's all I have, brothers. I'll turn it back over to you guys to kind of close things out. Okay, well, I'll do my little adopted scripture real quick, and I will say thank you, saints, for being here. May God bless you and take care of you. He will. Please keep praying for the Roberts family and the Phillips family, saints, and please keep praying for Brother Carl's mom, Reba Sandage, that God would bring her out of the false religious system that she's in. All right, my scripture that I have adopted is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 in the King James, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This shows us that the power of salvation is not from us. It comes to the elect of God. Don't bring, don't bring it to themselves. All right, take it, Brother Carl. 
Well, wheel worshippers. I mean, how pathetic are they? They're going to go to. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're going to go to Galatians, which is the whole book is preaching against works. The whole book is. Yeah. He says, "Oh, yeah. foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you?" I mean, um, you know, these those people are just absolutely disgusting. All right. By the grace of God, uh, thank you, Brother Larry Phillips, for uh, for your laboring in the gospel with us and. All your hard work by the, you know, all your all your hard work by the grace of God and uh, Sister Rosette Phillips and Brother Mark Phillips, Brother Mark Kennedy. Um, and I'll just finish out with and Brother Ashley over there in the land down under. I'll just finish out with John chapter six, the Gospel of John chapter six, verse thirty-five through forty, and the authorized King James Bible, the inspired Word of God, every single word, every quotation, every punctuation mark, every added. Italicized script, every chapter and verse division. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I shall lose nothing but she raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. God bless. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this evening. We're going to close things out. We love each and every one of you. In Christ, by the grace of God, we will be back with you this evening. Praise God, saints. Love you, saints. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.